Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we continue to burn out July here on Kirby's Kids. And next up in our story arcs that John Byrne is most proud of comes Batman and Captain America. This a collaboration crossover from DC and Marvel Comics on the Elseworlds imprint over on DC. This crossover would occur in February of 1997. Our cover artist is John Byrne. Our writer is John Byrne. Penciler, John Byrne. Inker, John Byrne. Colorist is Patricia Mulve Hill. And letterer is John Byrne. This is a John Byrne tour de force with some fantastic coloring by Patricia Mulve Hill. And this story arc would take place during World War II, it being of course, an Elseworlds tale. We're out of continuity, and we're expanding the horizons in order to, and our minds here, to tell a story that takes place in a time where normally the Dark Knight would not exist. And, of course, Captain America is out of that World War II era. We have a very interesting depiction of a World War II era Gotham that we open up in. It is beautifully rendered by John Byrne. This is absolutely exquisite work. It's almost a melding of sorts. You see this evolution within John Byrne's work here in the 90s, where I'm detecting a lot of similarities between John Byrne and Mike Mignola. And we know the two are friends and actually collaborated on some of the early Hellboy titled work. And I am sensing a bit of influence here. We know John Byrne has always been very strong in shadow and light, but man, it really comes out in this book. It's spectacular. And the colorings here by Patricia Mulville are also exquisite. Everything is true to era. It's 1940s Gotham landscape. The police cars, the cars driven by folks, Joker Mobile, even the Batmobile are all of that era, which is very cool to see. There's a manic chase after the Joker to open up this book. That is just spectacular. Joker leaping out of the page, larger than life. Hey, why not take the head of the Batman rogues gallery and go big? And John Byrne is going big from the get-go on this one. Then we break away after the Joker escapes and there's a large explosion on the pier over to the European theater and World War II. And you see Captain America in action battling the Nazis, as only Cap can do. When he is then called back to the States, but to visit Gotham, because something's going down there. And that's where we have Captain America and Batman meeting up for the first time. And it's all surrounding this Gotham project. And this is centering around the nuclear age, the first hydrogen bomb, the Oppenheimer Project, the Manhattan Project, but we're calling it the Gotham Project here. And there is a huge, huge effort that is underway to disrupt that project and to obtain the bomb. And Joker is involved. He has been contracted as a menace a thief, a criminal mastermind to help get Oppenheimer's technology and obtain it for this patron who is backing him and providing him with some very detailed and insightful information. 
there is an interesting back and forth between the Steve Rogers character and the Bruce Wayne character. The Steve Rogers character is posing as Private Steve Rogers. Of course, Bruce Wayne is the millionaire playboy. And there is suspicion by the Steve Rogers character that perhaps the Bruce Wayne character, although being an embacker of the allied efforts in the war, is maybe perhaps too squeaky clean and is helping out these efforts to undermine Oppenheimer and the development of the bomb. Well, Rogers quickly realizes after stalking down Wayne at Wayne Manor that indeed Bruce Wayne is Batman and that Steve Rogers is actually Captain America. Now, it is Batman, the ultimate detective, who deduces this and they finally break the ice and realize, okay, this is silly. You are not a suspect. What's going on here? I hope that the time that we've been paying, kind of snooping on each other, we haven't lost the trail here of what the Joker's been up to. It's finally revealed that the patron that has been backing the Joker is none other than Captain America's arch rival, Red Skull. And Red Skull is trying to get his hands on the bomb so it can be a game changer on behalf of the Axis powers. And so then Red Skull can actually leverage that and increase his own power base. Of course, Red Skull always is thinking five, ten steps ahead. He is revealed to be the mastermind behind this plot. You have the typical, hey, let's go ahead and trap Batman and Bucky. They get to be a team up. And then you have Robin teamed up with Captain America. And everyone is eventually rescued and saved. And they end up foiling the plot here with respect to the bomb. Now, what's interesting is that when Joker finally realizes that the Red Skull has been his patron, Joker's allegiance, although he is a criminal, is to America. He's an American criminal. And Joker actually portrays a bit of patriotism behind that in his only warped way that he can. Well, both the Red Skull and Joker accuse each other of having misplaced loyalties. And of course, laughter ensues. You have the utilization here of this laughing gas that then permanently changes those who inhale it to then be these drones following the orders of either Joker or Red Skull. That's amusing when they both gas one another. Ultimately, you have Batman, Robin, Bucky, and Captain America coming to save the day, intercepting both Red Skull and Joker, and ultimately safely flying the plane that they were on that contained the bomb, forcing it over the water where that atomic blast happens way off the coast of Gotham, ultimately saving the day. And our heroes go back victorious. There's an epilogue to this story where... You have the unicing of Captain America, and in that you have Dick Grayson, years, years, years later, having taken up the mantle of Batman, and then you have Bruce Wayne Jr., son of the original Batman, taking on the Robin role, where you then eventually have a suspended-in-time iced Captain America meeting an aged Bruce Wayne at the end of the book which is kind of a fitting conclusion here to our story. This is a really enjoyable Elseworlds tale. 
I really liked how John Byrne leaned heavy into both the Captain America mythos and the Batman mythos, brought them all together, set this thing in World War II era Gotham, and went to town on it. I love the use of the Red Skull, love the use of Joker, and... It was just a really fun read. I understand, again, why John Byrne picked this book out as being a story arc that he was most proud of. He went to town on this Elseworlds tale to spin a high-stakes story that involved the best of the best of both of these series. You had the two top rogues gallery bads of each one of our heroes, you had the annihilation of large populations being what was at stake and our heroes coming and saving the day. Wonderful. The art I could gush over for days. It is beautiful. John Burns art is just exquisite in this book. And because it was all done by him with the exception of the coloring, you truly get an authentic burn experience. And I can't help but feel that there was over time, due to their friendship, a influence, a rubbing off, if you will, of art styles between both John Byrne and Mike Mignola. Now, because Byrne was the earlier success to Mignola, I will attribute Byrne being a big influence on Mike Mignola. But that development of that Mignola style, particularly the strength and shadow and light and that being on full display in this book, there are elements there. There are tastes. There are selections that are made by John Byrne that definitely show an influence there of a relationship between those two artists. I don't know how better to say it. And I can't quantitatively attribute one or the other other than to say I think both of them and their styles rubbed off on one another. And to our benefit as readers and appreciators of comics. Well, kids, we would love to hear from you once you have read Batman and Captain America. Please leave us a message via the Anchor app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com. Burn.